listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you worldwide from MegaWin Keelguard Studios. Aaron, it's time for an afternoon nap as I get ready to think about Thanksgiving coming up. And the reason I say that is because when I eat all that great Thanksgiving food, I'm sleepy. <laughs> but uh, yes. man, it's great to be here for the November 15 episode of Bass Edge Radio, starting to break into that holiday season, my friend. Yeah, watch a little football on the couch after you go fill yourself full of... Uh... All that food coma, I guess, that you're going <laughs> right. to be going into. And speaking of Thanksgiving, we are very thankful, as always, that MegaWare Keelguard has been a part of this day one. Be sure to go to keelguard.com to where you will find all of the items that we often talk about uh, so many times here and certainly stay up on all things with MegaWare through their social media. Kurt, I think you were in Connecticut, if I remember right, and I was out uh, chasing some ducks on uh, above the water instead of under the water for fish. So I got to hit up the saltwater action, but yeah, it's that time of year, little distribution shows. You know, I'm out there working with Hayabusa and Rains and uh, attending a lot of tackle shows this time of year. We had one in Tennessee a few weeks back, now Connecticut, and uh, like I said, doing a little saltwater fishing, so excited about that. Not sure why you're not turkey hunting, but where's the quack quack going there? Duck hunting there. Tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, you know, one of those opportunities to get to go with a good friend of mine who has a place that they manage. It's in kind of northern Missouri, Fountain Grove, Swan Lake area. It's kind of in that flyway. So nice. it's really, really neat when you go with somebody that is, you know, set up for it, manages for it, and uh, just kind of one of those lifetime uh, experiences that I'll remember for a lifetime. So a lot of fun there, but I'm definitely better served to be on the water <laughs> versus, uh, you know, uh, trying to call a duck in. So. I, I couldn't imagine. Imagine, couldn't imagine me shooting at a duck. I don't know what the, I don't know what would happen. But it would not be good. Yeah. Not good yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure somebody put salt in all my shells. I didn't even really have any pellets in my in my shotguns. So. <laughs> That's cool, man. Well, it's fun, you know. This time of year, a little little off. So you still fishing's good, especially now things are really cooling off, and and uh, it seems like the fish are biting just better and better. And you know, when you have that scenario, it's still fun to get out there and, and experience some new things. Like we were both lucky enough to do. So, yeah, uh, for sure. And you know, we, we talk. About about this a lot, Kurt, but right around, of course, Missouri deer season is always what I have used as a gauge. And to me, that's when the fishing really starts picking up, you know, from this point in time on. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually excited leading into the cooler season and into the winter. That's when I've caught, uh, you know, some of my biggest fish. Yeah, I've, I remember some of those giants catching this time of year, especially out there on Table Rock. So, uh, man, let, let's continue to talk about that. We've got uh, some interesting topics that are going to open up in this particular episode. We've got Got our uh, that seg B that we've been doing all year. We're gonna bring some knowledge about Omnia fishing. Y'all stay tuned for that later on in the show. We're gonna have the Juan Bass U.S. Open champion and BBT Pro Josh Bertrand with us. Uh, so jam packed full. Stay with us. We're gonna learn to catch more bass right here on Bass Edge Radio. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. And we've also uh, discussed many times here on the program, you know, when you're attending ICAST, you learn about all kinds of stuff that's going on in the industry. And this past summer, I learned more about the concept and what is behind Omnia Fishing. It's an online tackle shop, yes, but most importantly, in my viewpoint, is an online wealth of updated fishing reports and techniques that are working throughout the country. Today, we get to chat with Austin Buck, a director with Omnia Fishing. We're going to advise Bass Edge Nation how they can get involved with 
the Omnia Ambassador Program and kind of make a name for themselves, receive some perks on their merit. But man, this is going to be a great educational segment for our listeners to understand Omnia Fishing. Austin, great to have you on the episode and share with Bass Edge Nation this innovative online platform you have built for all anglers. Hey guys, great to be here. Thanks for inviting me and looking forward to talking with you guys about what we got going on over here. Yeah, you know, fortunately, Austin, like Kurt mentioned, both he and I are familiar with uh, just quite honestly, it's it's a multi-layer wealth of information with access. But for Bass Edge purpose on our listeners, let's start with the basics. What is the Omnia Fishing concept and how can, you know, listeners find your platform and the shop and get to you? Absolutely. So for the first part of it, you know, what we are here at Omnia, you know, you said it earlier, we are an online tackle shop, but we've taken approach a little bit differently in how we select your products and kind of show them to you for that user experience. So, you know, what we are is a personalized shopping experience. So you can kind of have that localized mom and pop feel with having a large selection of products that's kind of catered to you based on the species, the technique, the time of year, where you're fishing, things like that. And then in terms of where you can find us, you know, on the .com, you can find us on omniafishing.com. And then we also have a really cool app that we've launched out, not so much specifically on the shop side. It's really designed for our ambassadors that are out there that gives them a lot easier way to uh, file their fishing reports and be able to interact on our platform. That's a perfect segue into what I want our listeners to get the most out of Omnia, right? I mean, you can shop a lot of places, but having that localized information and understanding that you get from a tackle shop down the street from your house, you actually get that right here from Omnia online. And, and especially through what Austin, you guys have is this ambassador kind of program. What does Omnia see as the benefits through this ambassador program and how do they come about to provide content on the platform for the users? So when it comes to our ambassador program, we kind of see it as a win for everyone involved. You know, ourselves at Omnia, our brand partners that we work with that are being kind of represented out there on the site and then the individual themselves. Uh, you know, for us, obviously, we want to become that center ground where conversations are kind of started through video content and sharing and user-generated reports. So you kind of have that peer validity on what's going on around you rather than always relying on, you know, a very generalized approach that a lot of these other outfitters take out there. Um, when it comes to the brand partners and things like that, whether, you know, you're in the rod, the real lure space, whatever it may be, uh, everyone's kind of looking to get some further insights into how their products are performing in certain areas and what guys on their team are really helping to move the needle there. Um, and then, you know, lastly, to the ambassador themselves, this not only gives them a way to be able to go in and interact on in our platform to gain a little bit of traction and visibility, have their own profile, have a spot where they can start building up a little bit of their own audience. But they also have this ability to influence our buying suggestions and behaviors at that super detailed level at their specific lake or state level. And then for each one of these um, fishing reports that they're filing that kind of converts or results in a sale with one of our other Omnia customers, we're actually going to give them Omnia credit that they can be used in their account to buy, you know, any type of gear that they like to use. And there's a lot of other pieces to it, but that's kind of the high level of, you know, what's in it for everyone and why the system seems to work really well so far. Well, and the interesting thing is, Austin, you know, just selfishly, I pulled up on your site and I went right to uh, Fishing Reports, Table Rock Lake. There's 850 people following this. 66 Fishing Reports already filed. Boom. Cody Huff, Bassmaster Elite Series Pro right there in the screen with a with a report. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people saying that right now the buzz bait, it's the top lure for that. So I would have to agree, right? So I just kind of checking before, right, we put people on the air, your site works. I mean, because it's recommending the exact same things that, you know, I know people are down there catching those on. What other are trending techniques, I guess, or uncovered brands from this high level of shared information are being provided on the platform? So it's pretty interesting. Um, from the technique side, you see on the day-to-day, -day, anglers are pretty uh, innovative, right? So not only are they finding new ways um, and areas to fish, but they're finding new techniques on how to do so. So you're seeing a lot of multi-species techniques. Um, you're seeing a lot of transitions even. You know, we're noticing people are using a little more spinning stuff now that the technology side is allowing them to fish a little bit differently as opposed to guys that were traditionally only baitcast or, or conventional. And then you're also seeing a lot of um, visibility into localized brands, um, something that we've always really always known in the space. Um, you always have your legacy anchors that are nationally known, but when you get down on a more localized level, that's where you still have a lot of loyalty when it comes to an angler and the products they're using. So just because blue or pumpkin might work great in that area, that specific skew that they're using sometimes goes 
a little bit deeper than, you know, what's the newest thing out there. It's what's working for me in this area based on the water quality, the, the foliage here, the coverage, um, and all those type of things. Yeah, Austin, you know, from a regular angler contributor standpoint, the key to this, I feel like, is what Aaron mentioned. You can log on, kind of find out what's happening today from anglers on your local bodies of water and what lures are being effective. And then obviously you can purchase them there and, and go out and use them. Or if you already have them, just use that information to go catch more fish, which is what we're all about here at Bass Edge. But as ambassador, what are some of the uh, benefits that you have seen anglers retain that have really taken a strong passion or approach to being a contributor through this program? So, you know, our ambassador program is kind of unique in the sense that there's different layers or levels to it. So based on how actively engaged you are and how committed you are to providing content, whether that is through just written fishing reports um, or even through video content on our site, uh, making sure you're tagging that gear and kind of breaking it out in a way that's, um, you know, really applicable to our system and how it fits it back out to recommend products, but also to make sure, you know, as our customers are going through looking at these different lake pages and product pages, that this type of content, uh, you know, helps make that final decision a little bit easier for them. So, you know, from an ambassador side, they're not only seeing the benefit of how they're being able to become uh, a direct influence in that sales flow here, but they're also being able to rise through and get a little more visibility in our site. So, you know, if you really got down to the line items on it, you know, not only are they going to get free discounts uh, on gear, they're going to get, you know, like I was saying before, credit for report conversions where people are buying products based off of what they recommend. Um, and then they even get, you know, certain exclusive deals and things like that through our system. So, you know, depending on where you are at in that angler world, I know a lot of guys are looking to make a living on it. It's a pretty good spot where not only can you immediately go out there um, and do what you love and monetize it a little bit, they can even take it back to the brands that they're working for. Um, and if that's they're trying to get a better discount or, you know, sponsored for one more tournament series or whatever it may be, um, you know, we're kind of also providing them the tools now where they can go back and say, hey, this is actually what I did and what it resulted in, you know, paying me more, let me do this next time. Um, so that's really been something that's been valuable because right now um, it feels like it's a lot of big companies against individuals. And, you know, it's kind of that David and Goliath game where um, these individual anglers out there are trying to find a way to get a leg up on the competition. And we're trying to to help them get there. Real quick, let me let me tag on to this, Aaron. You know, what Austin's saying really, too, is – you know, there's so many anglers out there looking to, you know, better themselves within the industry from a partnership standpoint. Omni is giving them the platform to show value immediately. And, and throughout the system that they're providing, it's, uh, you know, good for the angler, good for maybe a brand that they want to recommend, good for the angler, maybe just working with Omnia and receiving these credits and discounts. But ultimately, you know, it, it benefits everybody involved, Omnia at the at the at the root end. So it's it's a win, win, win in my book. Agreed. And, you know, one thing I will say, Austin, well, two things. Uh, one is uh, it's way more than what we are going to be able to do justice in, in our segment B here. So I can definitely see a continuance of keeping this out in front of the Bass Edge audience. But also, you know, you might even consider kind of like what eBay or Amazon, you know, has classes of how to be good, you know, on their systems. I, I can see this kind of turning into where, you know, you have for these tiers of your ambassadors, you guys are giving uh, seminars in that to by some of the, the people that's that's done very well on that so that's a whole nother level I, I could see this going to but well done congratulations any closing thoughts before we shut down the, the interview no I think I uh, pretty much said everything I could there only other piece I would leave is that you know if anyone is looking to get more involved I know it can be sometimes a little bit an intimidating task uh, especially in the fishing world um, at Omnia we're you know, we're quick to respond. We're real people. You're not going to get lost in the weeds. So if any of your guys are looking forward to, you know, giving out the ambassador program or looking at it and seeing if it's something that fits for them, all they got to do is go on our site down in the footer. There's an ambassador link and um, reach out to us. We'll kind of take it from there with them. That site again, omniafishing.com. Great program. Looking forward to uh, seeing some Bass Edge folks involved with this and uh, taking advantage of, a, of an awesome opportunity. Guys, we're going to move right into our feature angler spotlight, breaking down some finessing, some smally action with Josh Bertrand. Stay tuned right after these messages. 
This is MLF Bass Pro Tour Champion Ryan Salzman. This is 2022 MLF Red Crest Champion Bobby Lane. I am Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour Angler Jason Wiggins. I am Professional Angler John Soka. This is BASF Elite Series Champion Brandon Lester on Bass Edge Radio. Know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. The Juan Bass U.S. Open took place in early October, and another angler's name was added to the lore of the greatest tournament in the Western United States. This time, MLF Bass Pro Tour angler Josh Pertrand took home the top prize on a new venue in Lake Mojave, showcasing some amazing fishing the lake has to offer. We're going to break down Josh's success, finesse fishing, and what new trends he's capitalizing as he top the field with 60 plus pounds of smallmouth in a hundred degree heat may i add over three days of competition excellent to have you return to bass edge josh hey guys i'm, I'm happy to be back i always love chatting with you guys you've got a uh, a pretty cool listener base a lot of diehard fishermen and i love like you know getting deep into the weeds on this stuff with you guys well, Josh, we certainly appreciate you carving out time and uh, really helping us take our IQ to the next level. Like Kurt said, congrats on becoming a Juan Bass U.S. Open champion. Yeah, I got to ask, have things began to cool off over there in the southwest part of the, of, of the U.S.? You know, not many parts of, of the country, you know, still see kind of that 100 degree heat in October. Yeah, it, it really was a surprise, you know, last week at the tournament, how hot it still was. Um, you know, that'll, that'll happen occasionally in October, but usually you've seen some real signs of fall by the time you get to like mid October. And last week at the open, it was still just like Kurt mentioned, it was a hundred degrees every day. You know, the water temp was still 81. So we've gone another week and a half since then. And now we're getting some good weather. I'm wearing a hoodie in my garage right now. Um, you know, <laughs> nice. Seventies during the day, the lows are around 50 and, and the water's creeped down into the low seventies. So like we're finally starting to see it, but it's a little late. It was definitely a late summer. And um, it, that definitely showed at the Open last week. I mean, it was hot, and we had a lot of moisture kind of – didn't necessarily like rain every day, but there were threats of rain, and there was more humidity than normal. So it was a hotter-than-normal 100. It was uh, almost reminiscent of the old-school Opens that used to be held in August and September. That's exciting. That's that's pretty cool. Josh, you mentioned in other interviews, because you, you've been around the interview circuit real quickly after winning the U.S. Open, basically that late summer situation there in Mojave. How, I'm wondering, did this pattern translate from your eastern and midwestern U.S. smallmouth fisheries? You finished up not too long ago the Bass Pro Tour circuit there on Millax. How did it translate in how you would typically fish on tour, even though you were out there closer to home on a desert lake. It was really interesting because it was very similar to that northeastern, midwestern, you know, northern smallmouth fishing that uh, we've been doing, you know, since I got on the circuit, you know, 10, 12 years ago. It was very similar. A lot of these, these western tournaments, even though there are smallies present, they fish a lot different. These western lakes are so different. But this one, you know, I, man, I fished the same bait, Berkeley flatworm. I fished it the same way I do when I go smallmouth fishing, you know, on any of the Great Lakes or Mille Lacs or Champlain or, you know, Thousand Islands. It was it was very similar just as far as the, the rig, the setup, the strategy, what you're looking for, what you're looking at. It was big smallmouth fishing 101. What kind of structure 
did you target to be successful to locate these packs of fish, you know, that, that, that you targeted during the event? Yeah. And, and I mean, your term there, packs of fish is perfect because they weren't schools, but a lot of times they weren't singles, you know, small mouth are kind of notorious in the summertime for, you know, if they're not even in the school, at least a wolf pack, right. Of three, four five bass. And that kind of seemed to be the case. I didn't really have one specific type of structure or cover that I was looking for because for a couple of reasons, one was there's just a lot of dead water in general on these Colorado river lakes. Um, Mojave's no different. And you got to take advantage of any type of situation that a bass will live on. So that might be a point. It might be a hump. It might be a grass line. It might be the side of a flat. You know, whatever it might be, any irregularity or anything is something that you're going to give a look. And uh, same goes with depth. Like uh, there wasn't really a key depth for me. I was fishing anywhere from 20 to 40. But again, anything that will hold a bass, you know, obviously a really pretty point that went way out. It's going to be a great spot, but uh, also about a hundred other anglers were going to think the same thing as well, right? <laughs> right, so, right. Um, you know, there were fish on that kind of stuff, but you know, you didn't always get to fish the obvious stuff. Well, you, you know, you mentioned Josh, uh, kind of these wolf packs, and one of the things that I think of wolf packs and smallmouth is that that fish move a lot. But something else that causes the fish to move, right, is angler pressure. And when those are when those fish are moving, can you shed a little bit of light on what's the best way for anglers to track fish that were in an area one day, but then get pushed around from pressure, or just maybe you know follow uh, a bait or something else? Uh, away from the area yeah you know it's it's crazy how you know when a fish is feeding or you know in a normal situation you know the way i look at things like you take for example a point that comes out you know the fish is going to want to sit up on top of the point but out towards the end of it you know but up on top of it that's where they're going to want to sit to to feed and be in position and then you get, you, you get a lot of pressure you get boats over their head all the time at times, they'll still stay there, but these smallmouth, especially in clear water, you know, this is a clear water fishery. I think they really get freaked out by that over time, and uh, I don't think, yeah, I don't think they're going to pack up and swim a mile away, but what they'll do a lot of times, and what I saw was they may kind of move off to the sides uh, a lot, you know, and in, instead of sitting out off the tip of the point up on top, they might be off either side or um, even just a little bit off the break and, and just, you know, kind of running that drop off back and forth a little closer to the deep water, you know, and, and not so much on that tip of the point where every boat pulls up and sits. You know, you, we've heard a lot about this even back in the day, like in Kentucky Lake, right? We, we, we would graph a ledge. We would see a school of fish in practice by, by maybe the end of practice or the second or third day of the tournament. The schools are, are broken up here. We're talking about yeah. smaller packs of fish, so they break up even that much easier, right? Maybe one out of five or six group of fish gets caught and it pulls the fish off or you know, like you mentioned, you get two, three, four boats idling over top of, of a premier piece of structure and they kind of get wary and they start moving off. When you're locating these fish on the sides or just off of this type of structure, the some of the obvious places that are getting a lot of pressure, but for good reason, because they're holding fish and, and it's the type of place a fish gets around on a consistent basis. Are you graphing over this to relocate the fish or are you just Coming in close to the area, dropping the troller, and just live scoping, you know, live sonar, everything to kind of relocate this fish. What's your approach in that tracking method to get back on or locate those bass that have been moved around? That's a great question. You know, I think it's a case-by-case -case basis, right? Like this situation, there were not a lot of fish to begin with, so they're hard to graph. You know what I mean? On your, mm -hmm. on your big motor. Um, and you did have one factor that we haven't talked about yet was the amount of carp and, and catfish that are in this lake. And oh, wow. Some are real similar size to the smallies. And, you know, if you were moving fast, it was harder to tell them apart. It would, it was hard to idle over a spot and spot smallmouth in this case. But what you're talking about with the Tennessee river lakes, you know, with largemouth. I'm graphing all day on that big motor until I find, you know, where those fish have moved to. Cause I do feel like they're going to be graphable fish. But in this case, these smallies, I did a lot better just dropping the trolling motor, fishing 
and looking with LiveScope. Gotcha. Makes a lot of sense. Now, when you're looking with LiveScope, what's the process there? Are you throwing your trolling motor on halfway and just kind of, you know, fanning around, just looking, or, or are you going like full speed ahead, just like blitzing an area, you might say? Yeah. Good question. Well, I mean, if, again, it was kind of situational, like, uh, and it is a lot of times, but like if you're in a high percentage spot and you think, man, there's, there's a really good chance there's some fish here, I'm going to go slow, right? I'm going to go slow, have my line in the water while I look, and I'm going to pan constantly and just be waiting because I'm just waiting for them to swim by or waiting to get the right angle to see these fish. And that might be a, a point, a hump a place that I've caught fish already, a place that I've seen fish already. But if I'm on a big flat and I'm not confident there are fish here, I hope there's fish here, but I'm, I haven't seen them here yet. Maybe I haven't fished here yet. And there's not a bunch of like real distinguishable features pointing in the direction of like, Hey, the fish should be right over here. You know, it's a more vast spot than, yeah, I'll crank that thing up and I'll be going three, four miles an hour maybe without my line even in the water just just looking wow wow that's that's uh that's intriguing that's a lot of speed is this you know <laughs> we, we we saw you do so well in 2020 and, and when the mlf had the super tournaments really i would say 2020 the coming out party for the general public on live scope forward facing sonar is here and and it's crazy effective you were out there on lake erie justin lucas won that tournament i think wheeler finished second you finished third but you were going into the final day really you and justin showcasing this talent of live scoping being able to tell the species of fish that you were targeting just based on movements and things and and some of these things that you're talking about now about how you're locating these fish what have you learned and that has surprised you since you were already ahead of the curve but from your development of that time till now with this live scoping technique man you know yeah the first live scope i had was 2019 and you know I used it that year, but again, just like anything, you, you learn it, you get better with it. And then uh, that event in 2020, it was it was cool because we were using it uh, out on Lake Erie. There's a lot of sheephead, you know, and we were using it to really, you could see, you could decipher the bass from the sheephead. And, and uh, you know, we talked about how last week it was, it was nice because you could usually decipher the bass from the carp and the um, catfish. But I'd say the, the biggest thing that surprised me is like, we, we all know how well it works in these offshore fishing tournaments especially for smallmouth but uh man the early season tournaments it's blown me away on 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 the shallow water applications of it you know and and there are times when when you do want to maybe turn the live scope off pick up a spinnerbait and go down the bank and and forget the live scope but uh man there's times when uh you're fishing in two three four feet of water and uh your live scope is helping you whether that's to to see what you're casting at structure wise, or even to see fish. I mean, uh, we fished a tournament at Lake Fork this February and I was flipping and pitching with live scope. The water was down at Fork and, you know, as everyone knows, the lake is full of stumps and you could look at the biggest stumps and, and shine that live scope down in the root balls of the stumps and see if there were fish or not. And those fish, you know, in February, these big Florida strain fish, they're picky. And they're lethargic. And if you could look at a stump and see, well, there's three or four fish on that stump, it gives you the confidence to make 10 pitches with your jig at that stump Uh instead of one or two. And you might get bit on the ninth pitch. So Mm -hmm. it's situations like that, that uh, when it first came out, I never really imagined that I would be looking at fish on a stump 15 feet from the boat in three feet of water and flipping at it over and over on live scope dude that's great that's great stuff do you feel like the the western u.s has really embraced the scope did you did you see a lot of anglers utilizing the style of technique out there at mojave i I guess is you know kind of where i'm going with that and how much curve does the average angler have to understanding your level of knowledge with this technique well you know i definitely think Regardless of where in the country, I think a lot of the 
the savvy tournament fishermen, which there are good ones everywhere, are definitely they can't ignore it, right? Um, so I would I don't know if there's a huge difference in the guys out west compared to the southeast or the okay. northeast or, or whatever. Like I mean, you know, I think a lot of it just depends on where you fish specifically in that region, right? Like I mean, if you're a guy that grew up on the California Delta and you fish 90% of your tournaments on the Delta, <laughs> right, right. And a lot of those guys are, you know, everyone out, out west fishes. So, you know, a lot of those Delta guys they, they came down to Mojave to throw a topwater, right, and, and power fish. And maybe, uh, you know, a lot of the guys from Southern California that are fishing in Diamond Valley and the deep, clear water, like what we fish around Phoenix, I think a lot of them might do a little bit more forward-facing sonar, right? So it kind of probably depends. Same with just like, you know, you take a Florida angler versus a Tennessee River angler, right? That Tennessee River angler probably has put more time in on live scope than someone who's who's fishing down in Florida. But regardless, we're seeing everybody start to pick up on it. You can't, you just can't ignore it for sure. Yeah. That's a great breakdown and, and great for anglers to kind of understand, number one, the the development you've had with understanding of how to use it even further than, than you originally imagined it could go. And then breaking that down with, you know, the type of anglers regionally and, and yet, you know, maybe how some are slower to pick it up. But uh, I feel like after they hear interviews like this with you, they, they'll start paying even more attention. So, Josh, we're going to power pull down for a break. Everyone hold tight. We'll continue visiting with MLF Bass Pro Tour Angler and 2022 Juan Bass U.S. Open champion Josh Bertrand when we return. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge is presented in part by Mercury Marine, returning with MLF BPT Pro Josh Bertrand in this episode's featured angler spotlight, Mercury Marine. Go boldly. Josh, we ended off the first uh, part of the interview talking live scope or pick up right where we left off. Man, you talked about still an angler maybe using scope, but then going down a, a bank and throwing a spinner bait, you know, kind of running seasonal behavior patterns of bass. Are, are we finding out we didn't know as much as we thought about bass and their seasonal behavior movements? And I say this majorly because, you know, we just saw the last open event and uh, some guys take advantage of, of live scope there to a great degree in the, in the top 10 and still grass fishing came into that seasonal behavior pattern and, and people's success there. Mojave at the U S open. I know there was some guys hoping that they could push a shallow bite, as you mentioned in the earlier part, maybe top water or power fishing. But do you feel like this is showing us a different look of bass behavior in general? That's a great question. I mean, yeah, the bass aren't going to change what they're doing and guys are going to continue catching them doing what they've been doing forever. Right. But it does open up some interesting windows and you'll see it, you know, in the tournament fishing world is a, is a great eye opener when someone wins in that tournament in an unconventional way on an unconventional bait. And a lot of times now it's because of uh, the opportunities that live scope opens up. Right. You know, I think we see more tournaments, one out of just pure open water, right. Suspended fish, it, you know, suspended fish, have been a mystery forever. So hard to catch. Yes, yes. And live scope opens that up. I mean, they're not that hard to catch on live scope. And then in tournaments, one on baits, different baits at certain times of year, like, you know, uh, we know how effective a jerk bait is when it's paired with forward facing sonar because of the fact that it does work on suspended fish you can kind of play the cat and mouse game keep it in the water column in front of those fish and watch it all happen and uh like i I think i would say over the last two or three years there's probably been more tournaments won on a jerk bait than we'd seen in a two or three year span in a long time because of that live scope so i would say seasonally i don't think the game's being reinvented but we're definitely seeing unconventional patterns that don't really match up with the seasonal pattern you'd see. And it's not 
out of the norm to see a tournament won in an unconventional way now. Do you agree? Absolutely. Aaron, well, what's your thought process on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't say any better or add anything more than what you said, Josh. I think, I think you're spot on. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's uh, very cool to see uh, to see some different stuff. And those are fish that, yeah, I mean, guys are going out thinking outside the box and they're fishing for fish that aren't pressured. And that's a recipe to win. Like, it's easier said than done. But, uh, you know, yeah, props to the guys that we talked about Florida just a little bit ago. But, yeah, I mean, there's, we're seeing um, more tournaments be won offshore in Florida, right? Like maybe, a, you know, everyone thinks it's going to be a bed fishing tournament, right? But a guy gets on live scope and finds some fish out off the bank, still in the deep hydrilla or on, on some sunken brush or stuff like that. It's just stuff we didn't see as much before we had live scope. No doubt. Can you highlight uh, just a bait or two that you like using, I guess, in the fall and kind of specific ways that you target, you know, fish throughout the water column? Yeah. So, I mean... I would say we just talked about it, but I mean, I, I throw a jerk bait a lot. It used to be a lot in the winter and spring, but now I it's always tied on in the fall. You know, Berkeley Stunna, I throw that thing quite a bit in the fall, utilize it with live scope. That's a bait that I'm getting ready to throw a ton. Another one is an Alabama rig, you know, and, and I don't particularly love throwing an Alabama rig, but it is so effective in the fall. And uh, it's a great way, if you're newer to LiveScope, I love recommending people learn it with an A-Rig because it's so easy to see that thing on the screen. It's so bulky. It looks it looks like a little mini school of shad coming through the water column. And uh, it's an, a good way to get comfortable seeing your bait in the cone, watching fish react to it. And then it's just a good way to catch fish. And then uh, I guess the third, all three of these are kind of shad oriented looking baits, but the third would be a spoon, you know, and the, the, a jigging spoon of some sort. As those fish get deeper and deeper, I love getting on that spoon bite in the fall and whatever type of spoon you like, whether it's a uh, typical old school hammered spoon or, you know, a nice jig style spoon that is getting really popular in the bass world. Been fishing out west forever, but it's starting to really get popular around the whole country. The spoon's fun because uh, it can be a needle in a haystack when you're looking for that bite, but when you can find it, it is uh, awesome because you can catch so many bass. Good stuff. That's those, some great recommendations. Excited about those uh, to take advantage of that this fall and winter, of course. Josh, man, you're a guide and uh, you still do amazing guide trips. Uh, l- let's tell the listeners first, how can they contact you if they want to get out on a guide trip with you? Yeah, thanks for the shout out there. Yeah, if anyone would be interested in going, I, uh, I've got some dates left uh, for the winter time. I typically guide from like October through December, um, just because I love to do it. And uh, I mean, I get fired up about the deep bite in the fall and, and winter here in Arizona. But you can easiest way would be uh, you can send me a message on social media, any of my uh, pages uh, at Josh Bertrand Fishing, Instagram or Facebook, or you could email me uh, all lowercase azangler at gmail.com and uh, we can set it up. All right, perfect. So now that we've kind of set the tone for this, when you're out with guide clients, you know, you're teaching folks, weekend anglers a lot, most of the time about live scope, specifically because of the these months that, that you're guiding a lot in when you're when you're actually home and, and can take advantage of this process. But what do you feel like, if you could describe to the listeners, maybe two or three of the biggest misunderstandings you feel weekend anglers have about live scope? The one of them, and I was talking about this with Matt Pangrack the other day, it's like, it kind of bugs me that a lot of folks, I think, have kind of a chip on their shoulder against it, right? And they see that you got it, and they say, well, man, I could catch them if I had a live scope. If I had a live scope, I'd be Kevin Van Dam. And, <laughs> right. uh, and I'm sure you've seen it too. You know, if only I had live scope, you know, watch out for me. And, uh, you know, <laughs> dude, it's just another tool, right? And uh, it takes a lot of practice and, and it still doesn't make them bite. And I'll tell you, man, there's been a lot of days on the water. I'll feel pretty silly sitting on top of my state-of-the-art bass boat with all the state-of-the-art electronics, everything that, that money can buy to help you catch a bass and still not catching them, you know? So <laughs> right. it's it's not shooting fish in a barrel, I promise. It's still, you know, if you've never tried it, it still has its... I mean, fishing is still challenging no matter what you've got, you know, but it, it, it's one of those things that if you can learn to apply it, it'll help your results. It'll help your success. Um, you'll catch more fish because of it, but it's, it's not like you, you slap that transducer on your boat and you turn into Kevin Van Dam. I, I promise. 
Yeah, that that is a great explanation, Josh, and um, appreciate you touching on that. Hey, before we move into the uh, the listener question, I want to throw out and get your opinion it, on kind of an industry direction here. It looks looks like MLF is going to move to a five biggest format for 2023. How do you feel that this will kind of affect competition? And what are you looking forward to, I guess, most with this change? Yeah, it's big news. And um, I think some things will change and some things will stay the same. I think since they implemented the two-pound minimum a couple years ago, it really slowed the pace down and allowed anglers to kind of go back to fishing their strengths to a point. But this will do it even more. Within every fish count style fishing, it's really fun. But there are just certain tournaments when you really get hand tied into fishing a, a certain way and uh, certain techniques, and, and you just you don't make the same decisions that you would make with a five fish limit. So I think it's going to be pretty cool. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, it's I think fishing every fish counts makes you a, a better fisherman. You know, because you burn through fish so quick, and you're constantly having to find new fish every day on the water because there's no holding back and there is holding back with a five fish limit. I mean, you, you can save fish, you can strategize differently. Whereas in every fish counts, you just catch every bass that you can. And when you can't catch any more, you move on and find some more. So you'll see the strategy change. You'll see certain baits come out a little bit more. The guy might have an opportunity to pull out a swim bait when they would not have done it before. They might, instead of flipping a small bait on a Texas rig, they might fish that big old nasty jig all day to try to get five bites on it. So you'll see some changes, but I'm pretty excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. It's, you know, for me anyways, personally, I've been competitive with every fish counts, but I think statistically I've done better overall on, on a five fish tournament so on a selfish level i'm like hey it's uh you know <laughs> right. it's, it's probably a good thing for me but uh at the same time i know that, that every fish counts was making me a better angler and i do enjoy doing it yeah i, I feel like it's it's going to be great for the fans because that's what they're used to fishing when they're out on weekends you know they can compare themselves potentially to to josh bertrand you know or or kevin van dam again whereas they just didn't have quite that opportunity with the newer format that mlf had had put into place for the bass pro tour so uh but i think it's great i I love that the league is is not shy to continue to move around and just and and find out what's the best for the league because we've been charting new waters you know as you might say over the last four or five years and and it's fun to see that the movement will be there and and who knows maybe it'll go back to all you can catch you know in the future because we might figure out that we prefer that you know it's it's gonna be neat so uh it's gonna be fun to check this out yeah i agree and that's what what drove it was uh you know they're doing it because they you know we we've tried it for a while and i think they think that's what the fans would rather see right so uh, that's the the biggest thing So we'll see. I'm looking forward to it for sure. All right. It's time for that Nitro Performance Bass Boat Listener Question segment. Uh, We've kind of tapped on this a little bit, but interesting to hear how you answer this question from Keith Hubert out of Florida. Keith asks, how do you alter your settings for live scope in water less than 10 feet for it to be most valuable in seeing specific fish to target? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I run Garmin. I run the LVS 34 transducer. And the 34 is, is really amazing. It's much more user-friendly as far as settings go. There's not a lot of tweaking. You know, uh, 32, you can get some really good readings, but you are always having to play with the game, play with this, play with that. You know, the 34 is great because you it's, it's definitely more of a set and forget uh, situation. You know, I'll leave my gain around 72, which 72 on a, the 32 would have really blown the screen out. Um, but this is really clear at 70, 72. And, um, the one thing I'll say is the fish looks so different in that shallow water. Like it's hilarious to see the difference of a <laughs> bass in 10 feet on the screen compared to 30. And, and I mean, it makes sense, right? You got three times the water column. So you're looking at a much bigger picture when you're out deeper, but I mean, a, a bass looks gigantic on your live scope when you're in 10 feet of water, it looks like a giant blob. And when you get out in 30 feet, it's a dot. So, uh, you know, that's just, just one thing. Like, you get your mind programmed to be a bass looks like this, a bass looks like this. Well, every single lake you go to and every single depth that you're 
fishing, every single spot you go to, they're going to look a little bit different, right? So don't be hesitant to throw at something because you think it's a, a carp or something like that, especially in that shallower water because it's, I mean, a four-pound bass looks gigantic on that live scope. It's a big old blob when you're up shallow. Well, Josh, thanks for the detail and answering uh, that question. And Keith, we need one more thing from you, and that is to be sure to log on to BassEdge.com, click the Claim Your Prize tab, fill out the information letting us know that you heard Josh answer your question right here on episode 388, and we will get the Midway USA gift certificate sent directly to you where they have all things fishing and all things outdoors. Reminder to all Bass Edge listeners, keep sending in those questions to the show via our website, BassEdge.com, our Facebook or Instagram pages to have a shot at winning another Midway USA gift certificate from us here at Bass Edge. Midway USA, where they have just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors. Well, Josh, great job again there out at uh, Mojave. Any last thoughts for Bass Edge Nation? You know, man, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, again, it's fun to talk with you guys just uh, so in-depth. You know, it's, uh, it's it's cool to get on here and, and not be rushed and really break things down. But, yeah, I really, that's about all I've got. It was a really fun tournament. Again, learning experience for me. You know, it's only my second time out on that body of water. And uh, I feel like I wasted my whole life. I'm only four and a half hours away from that place. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've only been there one other time from this, you know, world-class smallmouth fishery. I'm definitely going to change that moving forward. I'll be, I'll see it again much sooner than the last time. Yeah, I think we were all taken back a little bit by the weights they had in the AZ Open, the Arizona Open in the springtime, yeah. and how that would translate into that U.S. Open fall bite. And dude, 23 pounds on day one. I think you showed the world, <laughs> obviously, here, and it's it's got them no matter what the weather is so uh yeah, dude, it was yeah freaking awesome man great chatting with you again josh as always a fun conversation man i hope to see you in 2023 and man, best of luck over there at red crest qualifying again in that bass pro tour red crest mlf championship your time coming for the big one my friend <laughs> i hope so man I'm, I'm just happy to be there and, and you know gonna give it my all and yeah i really hope to see you uh if not before at the open again next year but hopefully we cross paths a few times uh on tour through the year this year you bet josh it'd be great everyone hang right there aaron and i will have some of our final comments in this episode's right after this quick break know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything else other than the original and toughest diy keel protector for your boat megaware keel guard grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology megaware keel guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. The PowerPole Charge Marine Power Management Station is the most advanced system of its kind available on the market. It does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system all in one compact unit. The charge lets you run your boat's accessories the way you want to run them by allowing you to monitor and control your power usage through the PowerPole app. It automatically devotes power to the batteries that need it the most for maximum efficiency. The new charge from PowerPole. Power where you need it. Power how you need it. Power when you need it. Kurt, always good to hear from Josh. One question, though, that I meant to ask, and, and perhaps you can shed some light on this because I know you fished uh, several of the of the one U.S. Opens. It yeah. uh, moved from Lake Mead this year, I mean, uh, to Mojave. Is that because of low water levels or just trying to mix it up, or what's the deal there? No, yeah, it was absolutely low water levels, and, and not necessarily that it doesn't mean that there's not plenty of water in Mead to go fishing, because there is plenty of water in Mead to go fishing. But what, what's ultimately occurred out there is accessibility has become an issue because of the low water. So the marinas just weren't built, and the infrastructure wasn't built to withstand this low of a 
current level that it's at. I think it's 180 feet below pool. But what's what's wild is that there's still plenty of water out there in Lake Mead, right? The interesting question and thought process now becomes, man, you know, Mead fabled fishery, tough, obviously, much to, especially in the fall, you know, a 12 pound bag is a great bag. In right, Mead. right. Um, an 18 pound bag is a real good bag at Mead in the spring. Now you've shifted anglers to Mojave where Josh Bertrand catches 23 pounds of smallmouth day one. The <laughs> winning weight was over 60. First and second place average 20 pounds a day plus, right? So how do you keep the lure of the U.S. Open that was at Mead, even if it does come up? I mean, it's not even a question right now. They're just not accessible to have a tournament there because of the infrastructure. But if it does come back, can you take them away from Mojave now? <laughs> because yeah, well, fishing is a, a lot different deal, uh, obviously, over there. And the smallmouth really shined. It's a great largemouth fishery, too, Aaron. They've got some big largemouth over there. It's a constant water lake. It doesn't – I mean, I say it's constant water. It just doesn't fluctuate that much. You know, you might get a five, six, you know, foot fluctuation in that lake throughout the year. Um, so it's got a lot of great habitat for largemouth, and and there's a lot of good largemouth in the lake. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm sure Mojave's on the docket for 2023 in the One Bass U.S. Open, and we'll see how it all shakes out, and we'll see if it continues to be this type of winning pattern moving forward. Will some shallow water come into play in years to come? Will it continue to be an offshore smallmouth deal? Time will tell. Evolution. You know? Yeah, time will tell. So, time will tell. But I, I certainly appreciate Josh's time and, uh, you know, kind of breaking that down for us. And then also, you know, talking with Austin there at uh, Omnia Tackle. Be sure, again, um, like we've mentioned many times, uh, really, really unique concept by all you've got to do to get uh, more information on them is go to omniafishing.com. Well, Kurt, here we head into Thanksgiving. Next time we will talk will be December 1st and in that last push 30 days of, of the year and then we're already talking about a new year. <laughs> yeah, a couple uh, shows to go here in 2022 and, and I'd love to get some more feedback from the listeners. Please shoot us an email, support at BassEdge.com. Tell us what you love about the show, what changes you'd like to see moving forward. We'd love to hear feedback. We do this show for you, and uh, so so let's make sure that, that we're meeting your expectations and uh, having a program that you want to continue to listen to right here with Bass Edge Radio. Absolutely. And again, uh, thanks to all of our supporting partners, and most importantly, thanks to you the listeners for tuning us in we look forward to seeing you again in two weeks as mentioned episode number 389 december 1st for kurt dove i am aaron martin so long everybody the edge is presented by megaware keel guard for more information on bass edge or to shop at the bass edge online store visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge, brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Midway USA, Mercury Marine, Power Pole, and Transport Graphics.